This is a production of KMmedia.pro. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show... And welcome, everybody, to a Wednesday afternoon. I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, it's a beautiful day in Seattle, and Eric conjured up a 90-degree day almost. Eric, how are you? Hey, I'm doing fine, Kevin. Yeah, and it looks like it is 90 degrees as I look at the temperature right now. So hopefully everybody's out there uh, staying cool and uh, staying dialed to the radio or the uh, Internet or however you listen to the show. What I'd like you to do is to stay in your car with your air conditioning on and listen to this show because we've got a very, very good show for you today. And uh, I'd like to thank Eric for 90. What's the, what's the rest of the week look like? Is it going to be this this hot? Yeah, it is going to be hot uh, the next several days. In fact, looks like 90 tomorrow, 86 Friday, Saturday, 82, Sunday, 82. So, uh, you know, definitely warm weather and uh, you should definitely and not spend too much time outside uh, if you're sensitive to the heat. Um, but uh, luckily, it's not going to be too insane. Uh, not like uh, some places in this country where it's going to be like in the 110s, that sort of thing. So, Well, and some, sometimes because um, we're on the radio, I want to do a public service announcement. We did this for the 4th of July. I go to the shows and don't don't blow fireworks at home. And here's another one for you. Here's a good one. Leave your pets at home. Don't leave them in the car while you're going shopping or hanging out. And don't forget, I can't believe this happens, but it does. Don't forget if you've got a child in the back seat, that you've got a child in the back seat. Because uh, it doesn't take very long at all for it to go from 90 to 120 to 130 in the car. So it's really, really, really important. How about that? Yeah, dogs die in hot cars, unfortunately. And it's uh, yeah, that's that's a sad thing that nobody wants to have happen in their lives. So I think you're right. You know, leave them at home. And, and the, leave them at home. And the other thing is, if somebody breaks into your car to let the dog get the air that they need, they're not going to get charged. So you're going to end up paying for a broken window to boot. And that's expensive. So, Indeed it is. Indeed it is. We got a great show for you, Eric. And today we're going to uh, blend science and uh, um, and technology together to figure out a little bit a better way to perhaps uh, work on our mental health. Because I, you know, I didn't really realize this, but there are uh, a huge amount of our population has got mental health issues, yeah. and there aren't enough therapists. There's not enough work being done, and it's expensive. And for a lot of reasons, a lot of people are not getting the help they need. I know that for a fact, because when I was driving my bus for 12 years, there were lots of folks who should have been getting help who weren't. Right. And so today we've got a great gal and I'm going <laughs> to, you wrote it down phonetically. I'm going to try and say it and we'll see, see how well I do. Marie, let's let's share. Is, 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 let's, is, no. let's say share. Let's say Cher is yes. with us. She's a PhD and MBA, and she's got her own company called Acacia Health. And um, she works with people on their mental side. She's got some really unique programs that we're going to talk about. So I hope, and some of them you can do 
in the privacy of your own home. So uh, why don't we go ahead and bring her on and we can talk to her. And, and first of all, Marie, I have to tell you, I read your bio. I am so sorry. You've had quite the experience with life and death and relatives and, and all of that. And, and you're sitting there smiling. So you've come through it all and thank you thank you for who you are and for what you do but it, for a long time it was a very very big deal in your life wasn't it it was i um so I'm, I'm on the other side right now so you know this i hope this would be a message of hope for everybody who is listening and i'm, I'm very grateful for the opportunity um i grew up in france as you may hear from the accent in in a family who suffered a lot of trauma and i didn't know for many years that we had more than our share um a lot of death my mother died when i was a baby and then my brother the grandparents uncles cousins it's um um it was quite a lot and then there were suicides as well and so yeah it's a family who experienced quite a lot yeah and what i often say on the show marie is that um, our life experiences sometimes become a blueprint for who we are and how we can get through those things. And they give us the experience and the ability to be able to get through those things and to come out the other side, which you clearly have. And now you've dedicated your life to helping people who have mental issues and have had a lot of trauma in their life and stuff. Tell us about your work that you're doing now. So I do, I do a few things. Um, the most, the biggest thing is really Akesa Health, the mental health startup I created 18 months ago that offers an app that helps people transform stress, trauma, anxiety, fears into resilience, the ability to face life setback. Um, so this is really the, the, the main part of my work, but I want to share a little bit more about mental health as well, share my journey, you know, to be an inspiration. I coach a little bit on the side. I, tiny little bit i'm enter entrepreneurs as well but the the bulk of the work is on empowering people to deal with mental health issues well and you also were an entrepreneur you spent 18 years launching and growing businesses for ge and startups in the u.s asia europe boy you get around (laughs) yeah i I got around I'm, i'm i'm very curious and it's interesting because my father was not traveling. We never traveled as a child, but I don't know where I got the gene exactly. Um, you know, I grew up in Brittany, France, and uh, people say that there are a lot of satyrs in Brittany. A lot of them actually immigrated, you know, a long time ago to Quebec. And I think I got that gene of being an explorer. And so I wanted to discover the world. I think I was an explorer of the world and of myself and the mind. I'm, I'm extremely curious, so I wanted to see. <laughs> I'd I'd love to see your frequent miles card. You know, I bet you you've got a lot of frequent miles. Yeah. <laughs> and I at some point actually interestingly when I traveled in Africa I decided not to fly anymore. I decided to go by bus and uh, to slow down the journey. Yeah. You went you went through Africa on a bus? Yes, I decided it's a little side story. I read this book in Africa about a fortune teller who couldn't fly, and I found the story very interesting. And I think it was the the rebound of flying so much during the MBA and when I was at GE. And so 
I decided to go by land actually. So I arrived in Senegal and I went south, you know, the coast. And at some point I cheated, I flew across. Um, but yeah, I went I went by land, which is extremely slow in Africa because the roads are in a really bad condition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, not, it's not like a four-lane superhighway or the Audubon or something like that. It's had ruts in it, and it's they. I bet you the buses can go 20, 30, 45 miles an hour tops. Correct, and then you have big potholes, and then you know because the roads are so bad, the buses get damaged, and then they stop, and they have to repair. So you just wait. <laughs> you know, when you going through Africa, you know. We all hear stories about different places in the world and how dangerous they can be and so forth. Did you worry about your safety going through some of the parts of Africa? When I was there, I did not worry. But in hindsight, I see where I put myself. Because I was still, you know, I I think, um, you know, if we go back, if we go deep into the trauma, when you lose so many people, I think unconsciously, you know, you're very close to death, right? And so you kind of, I don't know, I'm still wondering about this, but um, there was a kind of um, almost carelessness in my life at some point, you know, where I would put myself in dangerous condition unconsciously. So, but I was never scared, you know, but I went through zones where in hindsight, I should have been a little bit more careful, you know. Yeah, because it's kind of almost a, like a lays off. It's almost like whatever happens, happens, and and it, it, death is part of life. And I've seen a lot of that, and and up to and including the time that um, when your brother passed away, and uh, and you you tell the story that uh, um, your dad wanted you to give your brother a kiss after he'd passed away, and that only added to your trauma. Yeah, I, you know, I forgot the the mind of a child is very, on one hand, resilient. It will bury what it cannot deal with. And so I forgot a lot of it. And then, um, you know, I grew up in a family that didn't accept therapy, that buried everything. So for 30 years, I just buried everything and I forgot a lot of it. And, um, and then in my 30s, I eventually started therapy to look into all of this. And then an accident happened in the family. So that re-triggered a lot of things. And um, and I tried to hold on. And then in October 2012, um, I burned out. I was launching a business. And I didn't really burn out in the sense that you burn out, you're physically exhausted. I was emotionally exhausted. It, it was like 40 years of pain suddenly emerged. And I found myself crying. And then the first night, I remember I dreamed about my brother. I I didn't remember ever dreaming about my brother. And it was a scene where I was standing, I could see the farm where we grew up and where I grew up. And, um, you know, there was the wake at the time. And so, and it was still at home most of the time. And uh, and so my brother was in his twenties, was laying there on his deathbed. And I remember I, my father who was extremely tall um, next to me and he said, kiss him goodbye. And I was the norm at the time, but for a seven-year-old, you know, to kiss goodbye to someone, it's, it's, it's most probably the scariest thing I've experienced in my life, you know, and I believe children are extremely intuitive and they can feel a lot of things. So touching a dead corpse, you know, is extremely scary. Yeah. So. And, it, and that kind of was like, you had uh, what I tend to call a bad country music song, period, 
for a great deal of your life with all with a lot of people that left suddenly and um and you got to a point where you were you were done you were lost you couldn't you couldn't recover and then what happened because you did recover yeah so um so the burnout happened in in october through 2012 i went through a few dark months writing a lot and then it got better and it was a cycle for the next few years i suffered from ptsd post-traumatic stress disorder i didn't know about it you know i i still thought ptsd is only for veterans who are deployed in iraq and um and i went to africa then i went to dubai started taking on ceo roles of startups starting feeling better and then i got back to the new york to the us and i was in new york and um that was 2019 and then the flashback came back and uh during the day and i could see scenes of my my father married a woman who was abusive when i was seven and her son as well and then suddenly i started you know you you're with your friends and you're having a good time and you know that you know it's a safe apartment and everything is safe and then you see these flashbacks from the past that come in front of your eyes and there is no way there is nowhere to run away anymore, you know, because they are all in your head and chemicals and, you know, um, antidepressant and all of this had never really been an option for me and they were still not and it's never been. And so that's when I, I, I remember it was a Monday afternoon and I touched a low point. I mean, the, the, the thoughts came and um, this is something I put in writing and I've never shared it in public, but I, I found myself in a fetal position on my bed. And I was in New York and it's the first time I had real suicidal thoughts because I was like, I can't do it anymore. I mean, it's never going to go away. And it's um, and I, I remember spending a few hours there and the, the, the sun set, it was January, it was really cold. And at some point I saw myself and I was like, you have to do something, you have to call for help. And I, I called someone who put me in touch with a therapist and I restarted therapy again. And, um, which didn't always help because it was more triggering than anything else. And then, um, flash forward about a year forward, um, I came across an article in the New York times about the therapy called EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing has been proven to help treat PTSD. And so I had come across it years earlier, but I nobody explained to me exactly what it was. So I, I didn't really trust it. And I eventually I found a therapist, the second one, the first one was way too expensive. Didn't even want to get on a call. And I had I had lost hope. I really wanted to heal, but I had lost hope. So I remember the therapist was really kind and I told her, I said, you know, the science says it worked, but I don't trust you. I don't trust therapy. I said, with all my due respect, prove me wrong. <laughs> I don't get her attention. I know. I said, you know, I said it kindly, but I said, I, I don't trust you. I've tried so many things that at this point, I'm like, why would this work? But I want to heal and I want to leave. And, and, um, and the therapy work. The, the therapist was extremely kind and extremely patient. And eventually, it took fourteen sessions that were really hard. But um, this was really a turning point, and it was an accumulation, I think, of all the work I had done before with psychedelics, with other things. But EMDR was really a breakthrough for me. Now, say that again slowly, so that uh, people can uh, Google it, if nothing, if nothing else, so that they can get an idea of what it is again. Exactly. So it's called. Cool. 
E M D R and it stands for E I M movement D desensitization R reprocessing. Now at the at the top of the show I said that there are certain things, that there are some things that we're going to talk about today that you can actually do in the privacy of your own home. Is this one of those? So EMDR, the therapy EMDR, says you have to work with a therapist. And so you need to find, you know, an EMDR th trained therapist. However, the active mechanism of EMDR is this eye movement. So to put it very simply, during an EMDR session, a therapist will be moving their fingers in front of your eyes so that your eyes move laterally from left to right. And then four years, five years ago, Professor Huberman at Stanford, who is a very prominent neuroscientist who didn't believe in EMDR at the beginning, um, his team runs studies and shows that when your eyes move laterally left to right, it decreases the activation of what is called the amygdala which is the fear center at the center of the brain. So when we get scared, when we suffer from PTSD, very often the amygdala goes in April drive. So something triggers us and then suddenly we get panicked. It's like, and you can tell people to relax and it's like, it won't work. It's like the amygdala is in hyperdrive. So what we did as Akesa is integrated this lateral eye movement in an app plus a guided, you know, a voice that guides people through thinking about the traumatic experience, plus what is called binaural beat music, which is music at a different frequency. And so we've integrated everything into an app so that people can uh, follow the process on their own confidentially at home without needing a therapist. And this is an app that you have created. Is, is that right? Yes. Because yes. I'm, I'm sorry, I thought you said nap to begin with. And I, I take naps all the time because they're, they're therapeutic for me as well. But it's, but it's actually an app. And and also, I wanted to mention that when you were moving your hand, your, your finger back and forth, you were going, the only time that I've ever had that happen was when a policeman was giving me a, a DUI check um, to make sure I hadn't been drinking. And so because it works the same way, uh, when your when your eyes go back and forth, or they don't, uh, they 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 give a signal uh, that that is that is that am I going down the right path there? It is it is similar. I think so. The the what is really interesting about the eyes actually, and I had never noticed this until I listened to Professor Huberman, is the eyes are actually part of the brain, but outside of the skull. And we never pay attention to this. So oh. when you when you work on the eyes, you're actually working on the on the brain. Oh, that's interesting. I I now that, yeah. that I've never heard that. Um, so the eyes are part of the the whole mechanism of seeing things, and and your brain interprets what your eyes are seeing, and that's how you can have have PTSD or whatever it is. By the way, I wanted to make sure that everybody understands that PTSD is far more common than a lot of people might want to believe because it has it. Yes. There are people that come back from the wars and from Vietnam or from Iraq or, or Afghanistan, and they have seen some horrific things and they have PS, they have PTSD, but there are also people that have suffered trauma here um sexual abuse 
physical abuse, um, mental abuse, and they can have PTSD as well. And so just because you weren't in the, in the military, don't rule that out as a problem for you. Am I correct in that? It is correct. And I think it's important to share a few stats, you know, I'm a scientist by training, right? So um, on average, about 80 to 90% of the population will suffer some form of trauma in their lifetime. And I'm not being pessimistic. This is just a norm. And it could be, you know, abuse, right? And a, a lot of women suffer from abuse. A car accident can be a trauma, the loss of a loved one, you know. Um, repeated job loss, chronic illness, the fear of returning of chronic illness, you know? So natural disaster, all the fires and the hurricanes and all of this. So, and so about 80 to 90%, and I guess in war-torn country, it's about 100%. Out of those, uh, so out of the population, about seven to 8% of the, the population suffers from PTSD right now in the US in developed countries. And once again, it's most probably much higher in countries that experience war. I, w I would think so. But, you know, it, it, there is, I guess it's part of the human condition that we all get a, get an opportunity to experience stress and trauma at one point or another, either self-induced or somebody else does it to us. Um, and it can be a sign of growth if you, unless you bury it and then it can come back. I I've known people that, that will bury some things and then they can actually come back as a physical problem, uh, later on in life. If they've got, and they, if they go see a, a hypnotherapist or somebody who can dig deep and get deeply, they can, they can then maybe cure that problem that has been manifesting um, and becomes physical from, from your brain, from, from your energy, from wherever that is. Is that, am I, am I going down the right path? I'm not a doctor, by the way. I don't even pretend to be one on TV. <laughs> So I can I can give you two explanations. I mean two two answers and they um, they correlate. So I was talking very recently to a retired police officer in Colorado, pretty high ranking, and so he he's seen a share of of trauma and being shot out and everything, and uh, and ten years ago, so twenty years in his career, um, suddenly everything boiled up and he was diagnosed with complex PTSD and right now he's seeing a therapist. And he was telling me, you know, I have this pain in the chest. I'm very healthy. You know, I know it's completely internalized. And I told him, same thing happened to me. When I started therapy, I was running long distance. I had just finished marathons. I was very healthy. I started having this chest pain. And I told the therapist, and I said, most probably emotional. I'm not sure. I mean, it's like, I'm in very good health. And she was very worried. And in order to reassure her, I went to see, you know, I went to, for medical checkup and everything. I had absolutely nothing. And then six months later, it disappeared. And if you look at Chinese medicine, because I spent time in Asia and I got very interested in this, um, Chinese doctor thinks that we internalize different emotion in different parts of the body, actually. So yes. we internalize a lot of the grief in the chest. We internalize a lot of anxiety and, um, and abuse in the whole digestive system. And so it's not, you know, it makes sense. And when I see it, my father, who never grieved my mother, who had four heart attacks, even though he was originally very healthy, you can see, right? I mean, 
he suffered from grief, he internalized it, and then eventually his heart gave up. And um, so, yes, we we internalize emotion. Emotions are energy and they have to go somewhere. I mean, if we trap them inside, they have to get stored somewhere. In in your work, I'm just I'm just curious because in, in my life, I've been around people and I've had family that um, they tend to bury things. They don't, we don't, they get into an argument as an example. And rather than talk it through and come to a resolution, they go to bed and they forget about it. And then in the morning, they don't ever talk about it again. And that's not healthy. How, and how do you help people in your work and in, in your daily life, how do you help people understand that that's not healthy and then learn how to communicate those things with each other? So I've learned the hard way with my father is that you can't change people, right? They have to come to the re realization on their own. Um, I think sharing stories help because people at some point relate and they can see, huh, this person did this, you know, and eventually it boiled up, so it might boil up. Um, so I think sharing stories and destigmatizing mental health over and over and over again helps. I think creating a very safe space is important. Usually people don't share because they are afraid, right? They're afraid of being judged. They're afraid of, I think deep within, we have a huge fear of being isolated. We're a social animal. And so we have a huge fear of hurting others being rejected. And, um, and I believe that accepting people and, you know, as they are goes a very long way and pouring love on them, you know, if they talk or if they don't talk and they know they are accepted and eventually they start, they start opening up. Um, I've seen as well with people, especially in, in substance abuse, um, they bury, they bury, they bury, you know, they, they medicate, they self-medicate, they drink to avoid the pain. And at some point, they hit bottom and it's very often when a relationship gets damaged. I was reading again recently, someone was like, when the day, the day my children refused to talk to me was the day I woke up. And after, you know, rehab many times that never worked, the day when my children gave me an ultimatum, I stopped drinking. <laughs> so, but um, you have, unfortunately, they often have to touch bottom you know, to realize the, the pain and that it can't go. But uh, but very often people overdose or, you know, they, they, they die of diseases before it happened. But I, I, in a nutshell, being there for people and being extremely kind, loving and accepting goes a very long way. That is so rare. <laughs> <laughs> and trust me, I wasn't always like this, right? <laughs> <laughs> Because I would, I would like to believe that we are all interested in each other's welfare, but in many cases, there's a little bit of judgment that goes along with that, and a little bit of why did you do that? Because you know, and and it makes it difficult for people to to connect and to feel love, and that's and that's the thing is that that I think all of us would love to be able to go to a home where everybody's smiling, the dog's wagging his tail, which they do anyway. And uh, everybody is together and, um, er and having 
a happy experience. It doesn't happen very often, but but it sure would be nice if it happened more. Um, by the way, we're I'm going to have you pronounce your last name because I'm going to forget it. And Marie, Lucifer. Perfect. And uh, and <laughs> your your company is Akasha Health. Is that right? Akasha Health. A K S A. I knew I screwed that up. Yes. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about that, how, how she and her team can help you. Um, and she can work all over the world. And it's great with the way Zoom is these days and, and the commu- communications we can have that we can actually help each other from anywhere in the world. So, uh, and she is today. Are you in, where are you today, by, by the way, Miss World Traveler? I'm also in a place where it's about 19 degrees. I'm in Florida right now. You're in, and it's 19 degrees? Fahrenheit? 90 degrees as well. Oh, 90, 90 degrees yeah. as well. It's, it's 90 here too. And the, the only thing that we don't have here are alligators, snakes, and spiders like you do down there. So, <laughs> anyway, we're talking with Marie. She's going to talk about her, her um, health program and how you can also uh, understand if you've been feeling badly, if you've had things going on in your life that don't bury them anymore, the time for them to come out is now so that you can then turn around and live your life to be the best that you can be. And we're going to help you with that in the second half hour. So I hope you'll stay right there. You're listening to Positive Talk Radio on KKNW, 1150 AM. Hey, PTR loyal listener. First, thanks for being in my dream. And second, I have a new concept in business to share with you. It's called socialpreneurship. So what's that? Well, it's the idea that any company designates all profits beyond expenses to be awarded to a local or international charity or project, which is working to achieve good in the world. KM Media is such a company. We believe that it's important for us to give back whenever possible and to make great things happen. So I hope you'll join us in creating this new business model that will positively impact all of us. In the next few weeks, we will lay out the plan and begin our fundraising efforts. So stay tuned for more details right here on Positive Talk Radio. When you want to say more than words communicate, you can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is anaturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. anaturaldesign.com at your fingertips today. Hey, thanks for listening to Positive Talk Radio. Did you know that we're also a media production company? Well, surprise, we are. We can create all kinds of audio, video products to fill any need. Please visit kmmedia.pro backslash our dash store for a complete list of products and services. In addition, do you need a great voice to add to your own website or any other project? I know that we can add depth and quality to your work. I've been told more times than I can count by many professionals in the business that my voice adds to the quality of the presentation. So let me create something for you. Please contact me at Kevin at KMmedia.pro and let's create something great. Hey, 
And welcome back, everybody, to Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald. I'm your host today. And by the way, Positive Talk, which you may remember through the mist of time, was on this same, same channel in 2003. And uh, we now do Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays um, on KKNW, and then Fridays again on Kixie in the afternoon. So we are on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Friday. As is how I like to say it, and I and we're also on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and KKNW's Facebook and Twitter. We're all over the place. So if you don't hear us here and don't catch the live radio show, that doesn't mean that that's gone because this then turns into a podcast and goes into the fifty podcast sites. So we're we're all over the place. So um, you don't have to miss the show. You can be with us and you can talk to and you can. Uh, get some help that you may need. And I wanted to bring this up because we have a young lady that is working to help everybody on the planet um, have better mental health. Uh, That I think is her stated goal and that's what she'd like to do. So if you are sitting in your car and you're saying, well, let me give you an example. I have another relative. I have such relatives that I get to use so many stories for. Um, He's in, he's in a particular industry has been for 20 years, has been highly regarded in that industry. Um, but now at, at, uh, at one point, his back started to hurt. He was in front of a computer eight hours a day. His back started to hurt. He can't stand for an appreciable period of time. He can't sit. He's, he's stressed out because of his job. He doesn't like to do it anymore. I think that the, that all of that is connected into, into one big package. And, and I'm going to try and get him to get help from someone like Marie who can help that help him understand that it doesn't have to be this way and that he can change his life in a positive way. And so Marie, if he were to come to you to, or she, I, I gotta hide the identity, but if they were to come to you today and say what I just described as being their issue, how would you begin the process of helping them? By asking a couple of questions and by listening, uh, I think when when you ask questions and, and you create a safe space, people talk actually, I believe, you know, they have they have a desire to unpack. So that's that's how I would I would start. And um and by asking questions and by letting people open it up. I, I believe the therapist never has the answer. People have the answer within. It's just about helping them unpack it and find, you know, help them find it. So that's how I would start. Yeah. And then how do you deal with, how do you help people who don't even, they are such in the grips of either depression or deep seated anxiety or whatever it is. How do you help them even understand that that's what's going on with them because in in his case he doesn't know that he's got this issue it's just keeps rearing its ugly head and but he doesn't look he doesn't want to maybe it's maybe it's the want to he doesn't want to delve into it and understand it because it's difficult um and it's hard work and you know you you've done that because you've done the hard work uh, but uh, how do you convince him that doing the hard work will will have a positive outcome and it'll be okay? I don't know that so, you can't. 
Yeah, and you said it earlier. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know that you can, but let, I, I want so I'm trained as a coach and I'm trained in, in energy coaching. And when they when we learn the model, there are seven energy levels, which are actually the seven chakra level in the Ayurvedic Indian system. So it's the same. The first bottom level is the level of apathy. It's people who are usually very depressed and um, and feel victimized and victim and don't want to do anything about it. The second level is the level of anger. The third level is becoming responsible. The fourth level is love, and then you go up the scale. Um, when someone is at the level one victim, it's extremely difficult to bring this person to the second level. And very often, and I've been there for many years, um, and I, I can explain why um, later on, but I thought it was, you know, someone was going to come rescue me. And <laughs> but at the end of the day, you have to do the work. And so those people at some point have to move to the anger stage. And anger is a very healthy emotion. It means they say, you know, that's it. I'm going to do something about it. It's difficult for people you live with because they see you angry and it has to be managed. But it's very healthy. And we live in a society where I think we we tone down anger a lot. Um, yeah. And then we go through anger and we go to the third level of being responsible, resourceful, and we say, okay, do, do something about this now. And, you know, when we see people who are victim and, and we want to help them, right? And, and a friend of mine is living, for example, with someone who suffers from depression and she's like, I try to, you know, help him and I try to cheer him up and I'm like, just leave him alone. <laughs> Leave him alone for a couple of days, and at some point he's gonna get out. You know, he's gonna do something because he's gonna get bored. Why are you just reinforcing it? You know, and I know I may sound a little bit harsh with what I say. You know, when people are suicidal, it's a very different story. But um, you hear, you know, when you've been a victim before, you hear the sign. You know, it's like it's their fault. It's always their fault. It's always the fault of someone else, right? Yep, yep, <laughs> and yep. so you see their pattern and you're like, okay, if this is what you think, you know, this is what you think. And now I take a step back and I let people ruminate with their stuff, you know, until they are like, oh, I'm going to do something. Can you help me? And I'm like, okay, good. Let's have a talk now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, that really is the step one is to reach out to somebody. If somebody wants to reach out to you, how do they get that done? Um, multiple way they can google me good thing is with this weird french name they can find me very easy <laughs> um have to linkedin it. social media email i think the best way to reach me right now is email marie m-a-r-m-a-r-i-e at the name of the company akesahealth.com um, go ahead and spell that for us to reach me a-k-e-s-a health like health.com. And what does that mean? So Akesa is inspired. I'm a very big fan of Greek mythology. And so when I founded the, the business, I was like, I want something a little bit mythical. And um, Hermes was, Hermes is the god of healing, right? But I didn't want the lawsuit with the Hermes bags. Um, so I avoided that. And um, Akesu is also a Greek goddess of healing and the goddess of self-healing, actually. And so I didn't like the O at the end, and so I changed it to Akesa. It became Akesa Health. Oh, very good. Now, where do you see your company and your health program going over the next three or four years? 
Well, like I said, to be global, um, the app is designed so that there is very little language inside. It's a lot of sound, it's a lot of images. So it's really easy to translate in other languages. Um, so I want to translate it in Spanish um, for the US and then South America and then Spain and then other languages, um, most probably Hindi for India because there is a huge need. Um, and then I want to improve on the app as well. So right now, the app uses a lot this eye movement with this ball that moves across the screen and music. But I realized that we all have different coping mechanisms. You can see some people are very visual, some people are very auditory, some people like movements as well. And so I want the app to integrate um, some movements as well for people who are not so visual, but prefer to move as well in order to release the stress. And so, I want the app to be tailored to people's strengths and preferences. And so there's a lot more development that I want to do in the app, yeah. Now, is the app available now or is it is it still in development? It is available for iPhones and iPads and Android is gonna come soon. Well, hurry up with the Droid, would you please? <laughs> help me find some, can I share? I'm looking for someone who is kind of interested and would help me with the Android development, you know? So if there's someone out there who is interested in this. <laughs> well, if, you, if you are a godlike person with the Android device and know how to uh, uh, help put an app together, uh, give Marie a call or, or her email, which is again, Marie at. Akesa. A K E S A health.com. Oh, very good. Now you've, the, the app's been out a little while. Do you have some folks that have uh, used it and do you have any um, uh, reviews of, of what happened to them when they used it? Yes. So we have about close to 500 people who have used the app. Um, the, the, the main, you know, we have, a lot of good testimonial. The first reaction from people is like, oh my God, it works. <laughs> <laughs> Even a friend of mine who is a fellow London Business School psychiatrist in London, training EMDR, I've shared about the technology right from the beginning and he knows the science and then um, he lost his partner. And so he was, he was grieving, you know, and he used the app and he's like, oh my God, it works. And I'm like, of course it works. I mean, you know, the science inside. <laughs> Because it looks so simple, it's been designed to be extremely simple to use. And uh, because when people are stressed, they get onto the app, they don't want to figure out what am I supposed to do, where am I supposed to click. So it says start. That's it. <laughs> and then you have all the sessions. And so this is the main feedback we've had across the range. People are like, oh my god, it 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 works. And so it helps people on two levels. One is within a couple of minutes, it helps people reduce their stress. So this is one, but it also helps people over multiple sessions rewire their brain and work on triggers so that triggers are not so triggering anymore. And so we have the feedback of a CEO who's extremely stressed because she's running a business, fundraising, lacks of lack sleep and suffered from abuse earlier. And, um, and she used it and she can see that events that were triggering her and worrying her don't worry her as much anymore and the the ultimate goal of the app is to be for people to change what we call their thoughts and belief systems so if you go through a layoff and i've been through multiple layoffs 
the first reaction is often, I'm a loser, right? It's my fault. I should have done better. I should have right. worked harder. I should, I should, I should. And then at the end, um, and we think, you know, maybe it was time to go. <laughs> this is very often the case. Um, or oh, I did the best I could, you know, there was a recession. It has absolutely nothing to do with me. And so instead of having what we call negative or disempowering thoughts, we have more empowering and uplifting thoughts that help us help us move forward. Um, and so the, the feedback is, it's really efficient. People love the confidential aspect as well. We, you know, when we were still developing the prototype, I remember a woman was like, well, I use it at work. You know, it's like everybody thinks I'm watching something on YouTube and they don't know what I'm doing, actually. Um, so people well, love that as well. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's really helpful. If you can if you can have an app like that that can lower your stress and because we and you know if you if you need to you're at work you have a stressful meeting you get out of the meeting you can stop by the ladies room hang out there for a couple of minutes use the app and then you're going to be a lot calmer for the rest of the day i wanted to ask you because this it seems to me maybe it's just me but um this concept that it's possible for us to rewire our brains and to get us to think differently than we used to think I did. I, has that been a long-standing thing, or is that kind of newer technology? So this idea of brain plasticity, and even the fact that we still, you know, neurons are still created in adulthood, is recently new, right? A few decades ago, people thought, you know, you're born with a brain, and then it stopped decaying, and that's it. Well, that's and what now, I always you know, thought. Exactly. But now people know that um, we keep creating brain cells and the brain, I, I find the brain extremely fascinating. So this is more on the physical side, but they realize that um, so a huge part of the brain is linked to the vision, right? More than the auditory part. And, um, and so people who have um, some kind of brain damage, another part of the brain associated with something else will take over and cover the vision part, for example. Who would have guessed? <laughs> Our brains are pretty smart. They are very smart. And um, and one inspiration for the app was um, dreams and, and what is called REM sleep. So to, to go back to EMDR, this with this lateral movement of the eyes, so the eyes move left, right, left, right. It's exactly what happened when we dream. So during sleep there is deep sleep when we don't move and then there is what is called REM sleep REM rapid eye movement when we are half awake half asleep and the eyes move left right left right so for a very long time people thought ah EMDR is the same thing as REM sleep and it's it's actually a bit different but when I started researching EMDR and geeking out on all of this I started reading about REM sleep and sleep and uh you know, for a very long time, people thought dreams are useless. And I believe, you know, I'm trained as a biologist. I don't think anything is useless in the body. The body is way too efficient. If it was useless, we would have stopped doing it, you know, hundreds of years ago. Um, and so during this, during sleep, we think again about the experiences of the day, for example, an argument, and we let go in a very simplified fashion. We let go of the emotional pain and we integrate the learning from it. So if today, you know, I was very busy at work and a friend of mine called and I snapped a little bit and I said, ah, I'm 
right now, you know, in a tone that was a little bit tense. During the night and my dream, I would say, when you're busy at work and, you know, you're in the midst of something, don't pick up the phone for your friend. Just text and say, I'll call you back in half an hour, right? And so, and you wake up the day after you're refreshed, you've let go of the emotional pain, the guilt, the shame, you know, the regrets, and you've learned. And so, you know, next time your friend calls when you're in the middle of a meeting, just don't reply and you call later. And so, yes, we continuously learn, we continuously, you know, we can rewire the brain. Yeah. The So you've studied sleep and REM sleep and dreaming specifically? I, I read a lot about it. And if people are interested, there is a very good book called Why We Sleep by Walker, who is a scientist at UC Berkeley. It's a fascinating book about sleep. Yeah. Would you explain to me then why? I, I like I've mentioned many times on this program, I drove a bus for 12 years. And when you drive a bus, you have a route that you go on. Um, I'll dream and I'll get lost on my route. And I won't be able to figure out how to get back on my route. And it, I'll go in circles or I'll, or, or I'll get locked in. Something weird will happen. Um, why does that? I don't even want to drive a bus anymore. Why does it still happen to me? So it's interesting because recently I've been dreaming about, dreaming about past events that happened a decade ago. And I was like, why am I still processing old stuff? And I think that's still old stuff that the brain is still trying to process. But, you know, I'm not the dream expert, but from what I've learned from dreams is that um, there are two parts. One is they are the events and we can take an event from the day or we can take a movie or something. And then there is the meaning as well. And so the meaning might not be related to the event, if you see what I mean. So you might be using the bus driving because, you know, it's something that is familiar, but then the meaning might be something else that is intertwined. <laughs> well, one of these days I'm going to have to get a, a dream expert on here to find out why we go to school in our underwear and stuff like that. Uh, what's, what's going on with but, that? But, you know, about dreams and so when when the flashback came my dreams came back and i was i was very happy about this because i got a lot of insight so in the middle of the night i remember i had my ipad next to my bed and i would you know wake up drowsily and i would write my dreams and suddenly i started training my brain about this and so in the middle of the night i would wake up and i would write them and the more you write them the more insight comes as well and and writing the first half hour just when we wake up and the brain is still in between asleep and awake is usually a good time to write them because we go on a tangent and, and we write stuff and suddenly the insight comes. But the other thing, just to finish on dreams, because I love this, is I, I write my dreams and sometimes I still don't understand dreams. But six months later, I reread them and I'm like, oh my God, the meaning is just so obvious now. <laughs> Well, and, and the, the distance, you know, yeah. And the interesting things about dreams and what's associated with them, which can be vision-like or in, in something that can be considered a intuitive hit or an intuitive download. Those happens in those moments when you are kind of between sleep and awake, and then you can get those. That's where, you know, uh, you're familiar with Paul McCartney. He, yes. He, he wrote yesterday because that was a dream that came to him in and this whole song came to him and it was during the REM sleep and it was a download 
um, because and that song has been um, copied three thousand times. It's been played millions. It's one of the fam- most famous songs in the world. And he swears to this day he has no earthly idea how it happened. It just showed up in his brain, and that's because of. Do you think that that if if you believe in such things, like there's another side, and there are there are angels, and there are um, folks that are there looking out after our best interest, that uh, that they that's the best time for them to communicate with us. Yes, and I, you know, you're talking to a scientist, right? I'm a, I, a I was science, a little funny about right. asking that question because you're a scientist. And so my motto, and a lot of it changed when I was in Africa, my motto as a child, and I was raised Catholic, and then um, was what I cannot touch doesn't exist. It was that bad. And I spent seven years in a Catholic boarding school. The nuns were kind. I went to mass once a week because I had to. And I said, it's great to believe. It looks like it makes you happy. I don't. I would agree to going to mass out of respect. <laughs> but that's it. And oh. then, um, and so my motto was what I cannot touch doesn't exist. And then I went to Africa and I started seeing a lot of strange things. And I met shamans and I had visions. And, and so um, I came across people whom I think were reincarnations of people I've lost. Um, and so my motto changed and I said, if I cannot prove it wrong, it might be right. And when I was in Dubai and I meditated a lot, telepathies came and I could see what was going to happen in the future. And it happened. So at some point I said, well, Mary, this is just the way it is. And, you know, energy healers and spiritual um, leaders say during the night, we reconnect with the soul. And yes. so because, you know, the body is asleep and the soul comes down. And so I think the night is ext- the night and sleep are extremely powerful. And uh yeah, I believe during the, this is why sometimes we have mythological dreams and intuitions. And, yeah. By the way, we've been talking with, and say your last name again, Marie. Lucifer. Lucifer. It's such a, such a lovely name that I can't pronounce. Uh, but in any event, I want to thank you for coming here. Uh, we're we are sadly going to run out of time. Will you come back and talk to me again? We had so much trouble getting this one done. We need to do this again. If you if you'd be so kind. Any time. I love this. <laughs> it's, it's been it's been great fun talking to you. We've you got about thirty seconds, and I would love for you to tell our audience anything that you would like them to know in the next 30 seconds. No pressure, mind you. There is light at the end of the tunnel. And, and you know, hard times are times of growth. And um, there is definitely light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. That's a great And the point. other one is because we've talked a lot about sleep. I think sleep is extremely beneficial for mental health. Extremely beneficial. So are my naps. So thank you for that. I appreciate that you greatly. Go to uh, her website, which is akashahealth.com. Uh, That's A-K-E-S-A-H-E-A-T-L-T-H.com. And I want to thank you for being here. And I want to remind everybody, we'll be back. We'll be back uh, on Friday. But I want to remind everybody, be kind to one another because each other's all we've got. We'll see you Friday at noon.